welcome everybody to the ComTech podcast. And today we are talking about the evolution of accessible mobile phones. Back in 2003, believe it or not, is where we will get started and take it all the way up until today. And we'll be featuring myself as well as my oh-so-friendly guests and co-workers here. We will be talking about our experiences with different phones and what we've seen and what changes we've observed. So today here with me, I have Gabe Hello. Hello. and Taylor. So Gabe, I'll start with you since, as you said yourself, you've been around the longest out of us all. So you have experience way back right. from the start. So the first talking all. phone I ever owned, at least smartphone, was the N-Gage, the Nokia N-Gage. It was a phone in the shape of a video game controller it had a screen dead in the middle i want to say it was about two inches maybe by two and a half inches about the size of a business card and the uh screen was and on each side of the screen you had controls on the left side you had up down left right d-pad just like a video game controller literally it was one button but it rocked up and down left and right and those were your arrows and you had a button on the bottom left of the screen and the button on the bottom right of the screen just like a ds or a game boy or something it, it, it was a really neat little phone so you would hold the phone in landscape mode and then when you wanted to talk on it and put it to your ear you would turn it to portrait so you had your end and send buttons at the bottom left and right hand side of the screen. And then on the right hand side of the screen, you had your number pad. One, two, three on top, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, star zero pound. And if I remember right, I want to say there might be one or two other buttons, maybe for delete and something of that effect. And I might be missing something, but that was literally all the buttons. There was no extra buttons on that. So although it was weirdly shaped, it was more classified when you classify cell phones as a candy bar phone, meaning it was just a keypad phone. It wasn't nothing major, but you would use the keypad to type out alpha numerically you know two would be abc then three would be def and so on and so forth and it ran the symbian operating system and it ran the i want to say i believe i had both screen readers the talks and mobile speak at one point i don't remember which one i end up going with but i know i tried both of them and what you did was you installed a 32 megabyte and let me say that again 32 megabyte mmc card into the phone and this is some really old technology guys this is like some old beginnings of flash external flash it looked just like an sd card the pins felt a little different the card was, function was a little different it was a lot slower and that's what i used now it was very buggy i don't know if at the time if it was tox mobile speak or symbian the operating system that was buggy so there was a lot of crashes there was a lot of restarts but at the time, if you wanted to do some really, really, really basic HTML browsing, and I mean really basic, basically just up, down, and enter on some links type browsing, which back in the day, that's all there really was. There was no fancy pants internet back then. And all we would really read on the internet with these phones was like news stories. Like you would literally, you would pull up, back in those days, we used to have just these portal pages. So you would go to this one page and it would have the weather and it would have the news, like maybe 10 news articles and it would have links to other little small, you know, places, but it wasn't nothing fancy. So you would set your homepage to like a portal page and then you would have like 10 news, you know, the 10 latest top stories or whatever. And you would go read them with that. 
There was no advertising back then. There was no crazy ads throughout the article. It was very basic. And along with that, we had access to texting, again, via the uh, keypad. I would say I was a pretty damn fast texter. We would have access to very basic, again, email. You weren't, you know, reading 100 emails a day on it or nothing. Normally, what you would do is you would use an email box that you knew you had low traffic, but you knew you needed to get emails on the road. So back then, I was an IT professional working for state government. So what I did was I set up a specific mobile email box that I needed to have on me at all times. And I would use text messaging to stay in contact with people. I would manage and receive phone calls. I would manage and receive a calendar. Now, my, my calendar wasn't syncable. It wasn't synced with Google or nothing like that. It was just a calendar on the phone. I had access to an alarm clock, a stopwatch, all your functions, a calendar, a phone book, a call log, a text messaging, email, and very very basic web. And that's where the Nokia N-Gage got me started with smartphones. And I owned that phone directly after like um, the, the first, I believe, talking, you know, almost bona fide talking cell phone out of the box was called the LG VX4500. It was from Verizon. It was a flip phone and you could make the menus talk and the sub menus talk and Get some very basic functions. It didn't do as much as talks or mobile speak, but it was very close. It, it allowed you to text. It allowed you to look at your call log. It allowed you to send and receive phone calls. And I think that's about it. But right after that came my N-Gage. And then I just upgraded from there to a variety of phones, like the Nokia 6620, which was a, another keypad phone. And then like the E and the N series, which are really high-end keypad phones at the time like the e62 the e61 the e65 i owned all of them and the ends the n75 the n82 i think there was one called n95 as well that that i owned and then it just went up from there so in regards to the beginnings i i was there in 2003 2004 i i was one of the the first guys popping in in it with a talking smart cell phone so moving right along after Gabe's experience with the Nokia devices, he briefly mentioned mobile speak, which is on the next couple of devices that we're going to get into, one of which is the Motorola Q. And this device in particular is one that I owned and used for about five years, and it still works. I do not actually have it turned on, powered up at this point, but it does still work. So the shelf life on this thing is amazing. And it is a fully featured smartphone, at least for the time of 2007. It has a QWERTY keyboard and you have to install mobile speak. It comes separate. So it's already was kind of a pricey phone and mobile speak was a rather pricey bit of software unless you worked with a particular cell phone carrier in which they had a deal going on with mobile speak, which my family was with AT&T. So we were able to get mobile speak for $90 as long as we bought the phone from them. So that worked out and it could do everything from read messages, look at my call logs, see if I have a voicemail. It could do basic email and internet, but it's not something I would have relied on for heavy use. I came to that phone from a phone that was not accessible at all. So 
I just like the novelty of being able to independently change my ringtones and set my own alarms. And so it was able to do all of that. Like Gabe mentioned, it had a stopwatch and timer and it had the internet browser, which was very simplistic and basic. And I didn't use it much because that was back in the day when data was not included in your cellular plans for the most part. And in fact, when I first got the phone, I didn't even have texting as part of my plan because I didn't text before I got that phone. But a few months in, I was insistent enough with my parents at the time and got texting added on. And that was something new that opened up a whole new world of communication for me. And my only complaint about it that I didn't even realize was a thing until later phones was that at the time, you could not text and be on the phone at the same time using mobile speak because the firmware just couldn't allow both pieces of audio to push through at the same time. So the audio was very basic. Choose one or the other. Yes, the audio was a very basic setup, but the phone did what it needed to do. And it kind of even looked like, and I should have mentioned this when I was talking physical description, it looked like a knockoff Blackberry. So for anyone that remembers what the Blackberry <laughs> looks like, it looked a lot like that where it had your soft keys and your navigation pad up at the top, but it did not have the little ball in the middle of the pad. It just had a circular button for select and had your full QWERTY keyboard. So a cool device. And speaking of Blackberries, that is actually one that I would like to let Rakib talk about next. Yeah, so I used a BlackBerry with a ratio. I'm not necessarily a technological geek like the rest of these guys, but what I can tell you about my experience with using it, it was far more advanced from any phone device that I had used thus far, because prior to that, I used a really basic phone with a keyboard that you could slide out, and all I could really do is call. My BlackBerry had a lot more capabilities. The thing is, I didn't really utilize those capabilities. A lot of what I did was just called my friends and I was able to text however I was not allowed to text at that time because I was only 12 <clears throat> and I think phone plans at that time were what they are now of course it was so, a quarter of text <laughs> yeah for first I think at the t I think at a time they at, at the time five they minutes. charge you by phone call remember or five o'clock minutes on Thursday message. nights I do I remember three minutes I until nine so much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mine was at like five or six, something like that. But it's interesting because looking back, in some ways, it was more efficient than the iPhone just because there wasn't that whole swiping and double tapping factor. In some ways, it was a lot more efficient because you were able to click through icons at a speed that you couldn't necessarily do with an iPhone unless you were using a Bluetooth keyboard. But yeah, that's pretty much sums up my experience with the BlackBerry. It's far less interesting than what a lot of these guys have done because, like I said, all I really did was talk to my friends. I was able to look through my contacts, which was really nice. I remember on my old phone, it was a lot glitchier to look through my contacts and took a lot more time. Yeah, my first but phone, I had to memorize a lot smoother the numbers because I my couldn't access list. my contacts. So when I was able to do that for the first time and realized I didn't have to memorize phone numbers anymore, it was incredible. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh my gosh. Like, everyone... When I realized I didn't have to memorize phone Pretty numbers sure anymore, I was like, oh my goodness. I can say, yeah, it really Remember is. the talking <laughs> phone books? No. Yeah, those were the landlines. I think those, that's when the pocket dial was released, way back when. Whoa. So that was the BlackBerry, and we have another mobile speak device up to talk about, and that is Jack with the HTC Ozone, a touchscreen device, am I right? No, actually. Oh, I thought that one was a touchscreen. 
it's ironic. It has a display screen, a very large one at that, but it's kind of cruelly not touch. This is a phone with a powerful vibration motor, as you just heard. It looks a lot like a BlackBerry Curve. In fact, I think someone called it almost identical in appearance to the BlackBerry Curve. It is a texting-centric phone. It has a QWERTY keyboard, though. Not a touchscreen, but a QWERTY keyboard, not a T9 one. As such, things like your QWE, SDF, where your 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 keys kind of strewn in the middle of the keyboard. And look at that, it is booting up. This is mobile speak on Windows Mobile 6.5. This is a smartphone, not a PDA. As Windows Mobile grew, only to fall later, a lot of the device functionality kind of merged. Phones became PDAs because PDAs ended up including the phone. So you'd have your little desktop. There's your today screen on a PDA would look a little bit more like a desktop and you wouldn't have a soft button for the start menu because those PDAs would actually have a full-sized keyboard with a few function buttons. But nevertheless, see how Windows like this is? Start, start window, list, one code factory, two messaging, three calendar, four contacts, five settings, one Windows media, two office... Yeah, there is your office mobile, Windows media, all your portable apps. These were kind of minuscule versions of your popular desktop applications. You have I told you the audio system was very primitive. <laughs> what you did have on these phones though was a little bit of customization. Same with the Nokia's because you had things like when this loads that is. multiple voices that you could purchase the package however it's kind of annoying because when you purchase mobile speak you can only purchase three voices per package oh that's better than what i had i can only purchase one voice and that's what i was stuck with wow you know i think i think they actually did have that once and then they learned their lesson <laughs> But you did have a little bit of customization, but not much when you look at today's phones and like, especially with the Android department. It wasn't really, I mean, then again, Windows Mobile itself was rather stale. And the only reason it didn't grow in our community was because if y'all remember, Windows Mobile turned into Windows Phone 7 and it was notoriously inaccessible. So that kind of became Windows Mobile's downfall, especially in the blindness circles. And unfortunately, Nokia wasn't really selling well in the US anymore. So people had to stick with the Windows Mobile 6 phones, which Microsoft promised to support for a while. And obviously, while they did support it, these blindness companies were like, well, why should we invest our resources into a dying platform? So there was nothing new made for the Windows Mobile phones. So it, again, turned into more of the, the smartphone that would soon lose its smart benefits, but it was pretty advanced for the time. And you could do quite a lot because it synced to your computer natively with Active Sync and your address book contacts, your email messages, all that business stuff was synced pretty regularly when you cradled the phone. 
and connect it to your computer. But again, you needed to do that quite a lot because data plans were not very common and the internet on these things was pretty slow. You could pretty much check your flight status, maybe load a news page in 30 seconds. It was not like it is today. Wasn't meant for watching YouTube. No, I think it even took uh, 45 seconds to load CNET. Oh. Yeah. If you ever find these and want a nostalgia trip, pick them up while you can. On Amazon, there's like nine left in stock. So people collect these. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, apparently. <laughs> Advantage to these phones is that they did have micro SD cards, but the twist is that you kind of had to use these because they only had like a few hundred megabytes of storage and they had separate app memory. But again, you weren't meant to store massive quantities of selfies on these phones either. So that is Windows Mobile for you. Right. And speaking of another collectible item, next, in about 2009, Apple started making iPhones accessible. So there was the answer to all of the folks wondering what's going to happen now that Windows Mobile is dying. So then along came the iPhone 3GS. And I actually have one of these in front of me so you can kind of get a feel for how it ran and how it sounded. Unlock. Double tap to unlock. Unlock. Compass. Page one of two. And you couldn't swipe up. If you want to go to the second page, you had to swipe to the left with three fingers. Page two of two. Contacts. Sidia. Page two of two. Two. Whoops. Page one of two. You wouldn't normally see Sidia on there. That's a that's because on the somebody, app store. somebody <laughs> was downgrading it for me and that got there and I forgot where that was on that page. Um. <laughs> Remember when you used to jailbreak? Can't do that anymore. <laughs> kind of. You can, not worth it anyway. Yep. So you can tell the voice is a lot different sounding. It's the same Samantha that we all know and love today, but she sounds a lot more compact and takes up a lot less space and is a lower quality. If anyone remembers the Trekker Breeze or the Victor Reader, the old Victor Reader, we're talking yes. those voices. The, the vocalizer mobile voices that were meant to run on smaller devices. Yes. So as you can see, it runs fairly responsive. One of my favorite things to show off is in the bottom right corner. iPod. Double tap to open. iPod. iPod. <laughs> <laughs> not something you see anymore yeah. so that is kind of a cool little nostalgia feature and you can still find these all over ebay anywhere from 25 to over 100 bucks depending on what kind of condition you're looking for the five thousand dollar collectible gold-plated iphone they 3DS. do have they do have ones that are still unopened in the box that people get just for collectibles. But yes, this was the first iPhone that had voiceover on it. So that's kind of a cool thing to be able to show people. And later on in the podcast, you'll see just how far we've come in terms of some of it's still the same, like from the roots, it's very much the same, but we have advanced quite a lot. Oh, you don't hear that anymore. No, you don't. Now you just get this silly little noise. <laughs> so that is the iPhone 3GS. And if there's anybody else here that has had one or wants to pipe in about that. I saw one of these at the Apple store back in 2009 when it was just coming out. And so this is a trip right down memory lane for me. So things have come so far with everything, every platform in these 11 years. 
And the next phone here that somebody has experience with, speaking of platforms advancing, we have Taylor, who I believe has had, which iPhone was it you had? A I had the 4S. The 4S. Then I think I went to a six or something, and then now I have the seven plus. And I feel like a lot of them are, you know, from the 4S on have been pretty self-explanatory, I guess. And yes, they made changes along the way, but I don't think that any of the changes were really large, I guess. I think I just kind of there were learned, learned about them. Well, I'm the screens got bigger. Yeah. I just learned about them as I went, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just the biggest change for blind people had to be the fact that in iOS 5, we started seeing the dawn of high quality, high definition voices on a mobile phone. It was kind of unheard of until then. Yeah, true. Okay. And Siri was honestly... Yeah, Siri was the biggest thing. thing. Siri was the biggest selling point. It was, 4S was bigger looking, I remember. And then the 6 kind of got a little smaller. and then Or like thinner, I guess, in size. Thinner and rounder. Yeah. Because like a, a lot of... A lot of devices went for the modern curves and stuff like that oh, to make yes. them. Yeah. yeah, they wanted more screens, so they got more of a curve, and that yeah, right. sold really well because people didn't like the bezels. Mm-hmm, that's true. So yeah, that was. But like they said, the Siri was the biggest thing to me, learning about how to use that. Absolutely. Four S on. Before you only had voice control, and you could only do a limited Which set of set functions. Primitive. Yeah. Voice assistants in general were. Primitive. In fact, I could even do a little bit of that. If she'll let me. Time. No music. What time is it? No music. Okay, apparently she really wants me to play music. Say help. <laughs> help. Or not. You know what? Okay. There is something similar enough because before Siri and before voice control, we had this. Help. Choose a help topic. Phone. Contacts. Media. Calendar. Start menu. Status. Or general. Phone. Phone. Say call. Followed by a name. Or dial. Followed by a phone number. You can also say redial or callback. You had specific commands that you had to remember. It wasn't very smart. Didn't have natural language processing. Couldn't joke around with you. Now we're <laughs> yeah. talking very, it's very rudimentary stuff. Yeah, that's one cool thing about the new iPhones is, yeah, you do waste if you start to make it tell jokes and stuff. It wastes a lot of time, but it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a little more personable. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. So, yeah, that is pretty cool. And, like, I don't know, like I said, from the 4S on, I felt like it was, like, 90% other stuff, like music and other stuff, and maybe 10% phone-ish or something, as far as doing what a phone is supposed to do. Just rarely do we use it anymore for, like, actually making phone calls. And that's true of everyone. That's just how phones in general have evolved over the years and people's use cases of them. I have Tyler. Yes, nice to see you again. Yeah, I guess mostly what, what I have now is the iPhone 7. Okay, so I guess the good thing about the iPhone is that your use case is probably comparable to a lot of people today, but it's certainly nice to get some personal stories about what your use case is, as it may also differ from others. So right. go ahead and... Sure. So uh, i definitely a person who still, even at this point, prefers the computer for a lot of my 
regular work. Whenever I have to type out anything long, a, a document or an email, or download anything major, I prefer the computer. But the iPhone has given gave me a lot more than the Android for uh, downloading apps when I want to, checking email and, and even text messages without nearly as many major bugs. You know, it, it seemed like when I was using the Android, when I would double tap on something, it would often not go to the place where, where it seemed to be intended. So with the iPhone, I tend to use both Siri and VoiceOver. I use Siri for some very specific things, like, for example, uh, checking the weather. So I can say, uh, I can unlock the iPhone because the iPhone 7 still has the home button. So that's the only non-touchscreen button. So if I unlock the iPhone and then I'll say, whoops, oh, it just happens to be wanting to install an update, but never mind that. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. Weather. It's currently clear at 70 degrees. Expect partly cloudy skies starting tonight. Temperatures are heading down from 70 degrees to 63 tonight. Right. But then I guess more importantly, on the bottom of the screen, when I got the iPhone, I received some help with installing some apps that I can find toward the bottom of my screen. So like if I, I'm touching the bottom right of my screen. Oops, sorry. I have to press the home button sometimes to make sure. Uh, so messages is, I know that it's always on the bottom right, right of my screen and I can double tap right on that spot. And then if I go to the middle of my screen, I can move my hands across the screen several times until I get to the display of actual messages. Now, what version of iOS are you running? Uh, 13. Okay. And do you happen to remember what version of Android you were running before you got your iPhone? It, it was definitely uh, last year. It was la last May 2019 when I got the iPhone, as I believe it is kept updating. And one of the updates in early 2019 really caused a major problem with uh, even things like reading text messages. And what did you say you used before that? Something with mobile speak? Right. It was a regular Nokia phone with no uh, smartphone capabilities that had the mobile speak software so I could at least type and read text messages and have caller ID. And I believe it had a KNFB reader on as well, which I use occasionally. So would you say then by far the iPhone has probably been the most accessible experience you've had? Definitely. The Siri you know, seems to be much more intuitive. Directions on how to move my fingers across the screen to get to an item and then double tap on that item seem to work much better with the interface with voiceover. I've generally not had any major incidents where the phone completely stops working. Uh, that was another thing with Android, where for a while, most Android users throughout the world, I believe in one day, were, were not able to use OK Google in order to uh, get to the basic command. Right. So that's never happened with and That's their equivalent to Hey Siri, which some would right. say it listens better. Some would say it doesn't. Oh, my watch thinks I'm talking to it. Um, no, I'm not talking right. to you. Sorry. <laughs> right. So yes, while iPhone was making its headway, Android also was attempting to put accessibility into their devices. And I believe we have some knowledge as early as Ice Cream Sandwich, which was Android 4.0. Before Ice Cream Sandwich, we had Gingerbread slash Froyo. 
they had to use arrow keys or a trackpad or a trackball navigation control of some kind to control the phone because there is no touchscreen accessibility. It was also even recommended that you have a keyboard, a physical keyboard, but you didn't always need that because there were talking keyboards that you can get unofficially. But the accessibility was very primitive. Ice cream sandwich was the first version to introduce explore by touch or some form of it because you could only ever move your finger across the screen. You couldn't swipe. I believe you can only single tap as well because you had to tap the icon literally under your finger. It was very rudimentary. It wasn't where it needed to be to fully replace the need for a navigation control. But now here we are with face recognizing phones, same with the iPhone. And we have messages. Apps, Some pretty nice explore by touch. Apps, Swipe messages, to the left and right, like you would on iPhone. Message phone. Doc. Apps. It even says dock like shopping. an iPhone. Home. Yeah. Screen three and three. Mm -hmm. Um. Messages. Dock. Home screen two and three. Phone. Dock. And that's the Android. Or global context. That is an Android on Google Pixel Four with the Android R developer beta. Global content. Cancel. Yes, so we've come quite a ways. There's even like a rudimentary rotor of sorts through gestures, but still you have things like paragraph, paragraph words, headings, verbosity, speech rate, speech rate 45%, speech rate 50%, verbosity. And swipe up and down. High verbosity is now active. Custom verbosity is now active. So Android has come a long way. So has iPhone its. 11 years. But I will say to Google's credit, while there are things that need to be improved upon, they definitely started later than the iPhone did. And for what it's worth, if you compare R to ice cream sandwich or even jelly bean, things have definitely come a long way. And I would say that both phones are worthy contenders as far as the Android versus iPhone debate, there are good parts about each one. The point being, it's to the point where you can now choose any phone and pretty much get away with using it as a daily driver. That's where we are now, and you were not really able to make that choice, even between certain Nokias before Tox got touchscreen accessibility. Yeah. And Speaking of talks, did you have a Nokia with talks, or did you have a Nokia with mobile speak? Are you asking me? Yes. Yes, I had a Nokia Seven X or something like that with mobile speak. Yeah, it was pretty basic. It had the, like I said, the QWERTY keyboard, and I just used it for calling and texting and those sorts of things. And actually, that was like my that was like my second phone, I guess, just to talk about the evolution of it. My very first phone, which is not on our list, but I guess it's worth talking about. It was completely inaccessible for a blind person at all. I had it as a kid. It was called a Firefly, and it literally had five buttons on it. It had a call and an end button. It had a button to get into your contacts, and then a button where you could program for your mom and your dad for their phone number. And I, maybe there was a capability for text messaging, but I can't remember. But Probably not. Totally inaccessible. Did not talk at all, but it was really cute. 
because it was just small and quaint looking. I don't know. It was but meant yeah, for young like yeah. meant to the first phone. Yeah, that does sound super cute. Yeah, my first phone was some kind of Samsung. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but it did not have any accessibility either. It had a bump on the five. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. I just remembered, okay, this button down here on the bottom left is mom, and this one on the right is dad, and then the end and the call buttons. I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need. Instead of programming numbers yourself, for sure, is if you lost a phone or if the battery died, <laughs> there go your numbers. Yeah. I can't even remember how long ago that was, but just to talk about evolution we have come a long way because i also remember having and i know this is not a, a phone but i remember having the ipod shuffle and having to have help from a sighted person like my mom or whomever if i wanted to get music i would have to get on somebody's computer and have them help me like download it whereas now like you can just literally get on your phone and have talk back or voiceover or whatever it is you use and you're good it's just self-explanatory process Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk about evolution. Uh, I literally had to wait for somebody to help me and all that. But now it's like. Really definitely fast. brings us into the more modern phones. I'm sure we've skipped over a couple of years here, but there's only so many of us with so many devices to be able to talk about. But I currently have an iPhone 11 and it is one of the ones with no home button. And has face ID. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I cannot demonstrate it as I'm using it as my microphone. <laughs> so that would not <laughs> quite so well. <laughs> but you can definitely tell that they've made a lot of adjustments since that good old 3GS. The speakers, like now it has speakers both in the bottom and the top of the phone. And they sound way better. VoiceOver sounds way better. Even Siri has from the 4S days, has a very different sound now. Yeah. And the voices on phones in general, because these they're phones way are better so sounding. more powerful. They, they're basically like pocket computers. And as far as face unlock, it probably might work similarly on the iPhone, but basically on the Pixel 4. Scanning face, 9.48 p.m. Position your face directly in front of the phone. Device unlocked. Nova launcher. You didn't hear it, but it vibrated ever so slightly when you brought your face to the phone and it unlocked. And that's a nice sounding voice on there, too. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, I remember the days of S-Box Pico. <laughs> using using <laughs> Pico TTS. <laughs> Which, fun yeah, fact, I found out she was really just a really, really crummy down version of Nuance Ava. I remember having the grace voice which ava was actually based off of because beyond pico they actually had their own engine with voices like grace and oliver now you see those voices in vocalizer today but they sound very different but on android i remember very vividly so now they're kate and all yeah them the, or something kate was laquendo yeah i remember or, kate. that's right yeah you had those voices on android too in the old 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 days of gingerbread and you had Ivona. Oh, Ivona was awesome. Devices, anyhow, I wish you could get those now, and you can't. Nope. They pretty much jumped the shark once they became Kindle exclusives. So if you have an Amazon device, which I guess Amazon did have a phone at some point. None of us, unfortunately, had that one to be able to talk about. It was a flop. Yeah. <laughs> they had a phone? I thought, what is it like? They had a fire phone. Fire Fire phone. Huh. It was a kind of a commercial disappointment because no, no. people 
wanted Amazon for the Kindle, not the phone. Mm, yeah. In fairness to them, they are more known for that. So yeah, who could find them? I think nowadays if they tried again, they might have better success now with Alexa being more commonplace. What she is. Yeah, I mean. Yes, I think so. I still remember when you had to apply for an invite to get the Echo. Wow. Yeah, that's how far we've come. Now there's an Alexa in everyone's homes or at least everyone who knows the word smart speaker probably has at least that or Google. Mm-hmm. I've heard of people that have multiples. And to me, that's a little like, oh, yeah, stream side. I'm like, okay, you just need one. But yeah, they're really into their smart speakers. I think that's cool. Well, my parents each have one for their home offices. They have an Echo Dot each that they can use for various things. And that also is connected to your phone. They're all connected to your, your calendars and everything are synced. Everything... That's something you've seen more happen over the last few years that you didn't see so much in the early days is everything synced together. So now if I get a calendar invite, it's on my phone, it's on my iPad, it's on my Braille note, it's on my HomePod, it's on my computer. It's There's no way I'm going to forget to do that training appointment. (laughs) No excuse. No excuse. Before you had little sandbox environments, but now a lot of things you could do on your phone with things like Siri and... Google Voice Search at the time, before it was Assistant, are now pretty much done anywhere in the home with smart speakers, smart displays, even your computer. The synergy is like nothing we've ever had before. Like I assure you, ask future generations of kids what today's screen is, or what Active Sync is, or what cradling your phone is, and they'll be like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> Because no one is going to have to experience manual synchronization anymore because everything's connected. I think the internet in general and progressive web, web 2.0, whatever you want to call it, has really brought forth that synergy that you didn't have before. I mean, look at it now. Look, now you can have us in the palm of your hand. It's so seamless now. It's scary almost. <laughs> it's like, what will they do next? We have Rory. Rory. Yes. Oh. Hey, welcome hey, to the party. Hi. I've been here for a while, but I'm talking to you guys through the the 2020. I had set up a bunch of stuff on the 11, but then I, I moved over to this one. So, so yeah, I've, I'm here. I've been here. So, basically, you guys are just talking about the evolution of all the phones. I don't know what exactly to speak of other than, uh, you know, I heard you talk about how they've made improvements, you know, and that's basically a, you know, a business and marketing model. They could have given us the latest and greatest iPhone that's on the market right now. That could have been the first one they put out, but it's not in order to make money. You know, they do it like this. It's the same thing with JAWS updates. JAWS updates, you know, they can be perfect every time. There's no reason why they can't go back in the back end of Microsoft and make every single thing accessible. It's just kind of the market, you know, that people want to make money, so that's what they do. It's also the underlying operating system in general. Like, you couldn't have done what you could have done today without UI automation and ARIA, for and example. That, no, I agree. I mean, and that's the whole thing is everything is always... Evolving. Exa- mm-hmm. Yeah, everything is always updating. They're always making changes. So that's the great part for me. I just had a cell phone. I had a flip phone all the way up until here in Atlanta, they were doing a VA study, a cell phone study. And they basically were going through every model of the phones. And the people in the study, they got all the non-smartphones first. And then the very last phone they tested was the iPhone. 
Ah. So I was working at Dialogue in the Dark at that point in time. And if y'all don't know what that is, one time, one day I'll explain it to you or I'll post a link. You can look at it. It's really cool. It's all about blind people and employment and giving people the chance to understand what it's like to live in the dark. Gotcha. Um, it's like dying in the dark? It's Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, I mean, it, dying in the dark came from that concept. Um, gotcha. And so, but anyway, the thing was, was I was working with some people that were in the study and when they finally got to the iPhone, they were basically on, you know, the three GS, like, was that, that Alyssa, is that what you said you started with? The first phone with voiceover. Yep. That was it. Yeah. So me too. So, so when he had it and um, he was a blind dude and he had a CNI dog from the same school that I went to. And so I was like, George, tell me about your experience. You've had it for a couple of weeks now. You know, what's it like? Does it does it crash? Do you have problems with it? You know, does it read everything to you that you need to have read? Can you do everything you need to do on it? And, you know, my biggest thing was, does it crash? Like, I lost a job with AAA, you know, when they update software or, you know, they crash. I mean, just... Instabilities come in. Yeah, things happen. Exactly. And so debilitating instabilities. I was like, does it freeze? You know, does it freeze? Does it crash? Does it do any of those types of things? And his straight, I mean, he's totally blind, just like I was. And so his opinion carried weight with me. And he said, no, there's not one thing that you can't do. There's not one part of it that's inaccessible and never crashes. There's nothing that goes wrong with it. And so when he told me that, I went back home that same night. I was like, Mom, go to Apple.com, click their accessibility link, and let's read what they say about the iPhone. And it clearly spells out right there on the webpage that voiceover creates a 100% accessible experience for the iPhone user. And I was like, well, if that's what they're saying, it's got to be worth a try. And so we just went ahead. And at that point in time, things were priced reasonably. So we got a, <laughs> we, we got a refurbished 3GS for like $150 and it came in the mail and my life and, you know, anybody else who got one, we have eyes to the world now. And, you know, what we can do with them is nothing short of being able to almost participate fully in society. People just don't even understand how amazing this technology is. Especially- it was kind of ironic because at the Apple event in 09, voiceover did not have a splash launch. It really kind of had... Well, no, they mentioned it in the last 30 seconds of the meeting. They said, we've got some accessibility improvements. And that was about it. They did not do a splash launch. They didn't do anything theatrical about it like they did with the original iPhone. It really was more silent triumph. For us, it was heard around the world. But for everyone else, it was just meh. Yeah, they didn't. Because people intuitively think, you know, half the blind community was like, what? There's no buttons? I I could never do it. That can't work. It's got to have a button. And, you know, not just the home button. People wanted buttons. They wanted a dial pad. They wanted, they're like, how can it work with no buttons? And they immediately. Why was it first? Yeah, they they immediately discounted it. But, I mean, you didn't need buttons for the iPhone. There were a lot of blind people that just could not understand how a phone could work without any buttons on it. And that's why. Now you see see many blind people around the world using phones. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I don't. I mean, I. Or Androids. All right. So you can reach out to us by calling 833-345-8324 or by visiting us online at comtechusa.net. That is C-O-M-M-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.net. Thank you for listening. Have a great Join day. Next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care.